product of the New York City public school system, and I have a third and fourth grade teacher who, to this day, 40 plus years later, is still a very, very good friend of mine. She was the first person who said you can do anything. That was unusual, not something I heard or was used to hearing that I could do anything. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, it is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and I am celebrating because I am proud of my Filipino Hawaiian heritage. So check us out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash AAPI to see our celebration and amplify the voices of amazing executives, leaders, and influencers, all who just happen to be Asian American or Pacific Islander. And speaking of which, we have an amazing guest today. It is Connie Tang, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Global Growth and Customer Experience Officer for New Skin. But before we get to Connie, let's talk a little bit about your brand. You know, it's been another crazy and busy week for me. I was flying into New York City to facilitate an offsite for one of my fabulous corporate clients, and I had a chance to go back to Times Square, and it was the first time I've been to Times Square in almost nine months, and I was blown away because it was revitalized, and there was energy, and there was people walking around, and all of the Broadway theaters were open, which was completely different from the time that I was there just back in September, and it was the first night that the first two Broadway shows were opening. And as I sat in Times Square and saw the billboards, I really started thinking about brand, and I was thinking about how important it is for us to all stand out from the crowd. Because when you are sitting in Times Square, there are literally thousands of choices of places to eat. There are thousands of choices of places to shop and things to do, and there are tons of Broadway shows that are all looking for audience. But at the end of the day, the ones that are successful are the ones that have great brands. And what they are doing right is standing out from the crowd and creating an amazing experience. You know what? They're not all just trying to do the same thing and get everyone to come in. No, they are standing for something unique. So I had a chance to go and see the show Take Me Out. And no, I did not film the inappropriate video that went online. Line, but I was thrilled to see Take Me Out Again because I had seen the original show way back in 2003, and it had always sat with me as this amazing experience. As someone that has no clue about anything about baseball other than eating a Dodger dog, I was able to go into this show that was all about behind the scenes and inside baseball and truly come all the way there and have this amazing experience. And I had that same experience seeing the show almost 20 years later. Because quite frankly, the show Take Me Out is not for everybody. Instead, they are saying, we've got a point of view, we stand for something, and we are going to create an experience. And that's exactly what you need to do as a leader and the chief marketing officer of your own brand. So ask yourself, what is it that you stand for? And how are you trying to deliver that in a way that is unique and different and positioned separately and differently from other people that do what you do? 
Now, speaking of that, we've got an amazing guest today. It is Connie Tang, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Global Growth and Customer Experience Officer for New Skin. Now, throughout her career, Connie has established herself as a top business leader by focusing on the needs of the customer first, driving transformative digital customer experiences, and leading global growth and expansion. Connie has extensive experience in both beauty and direct selling, including serving as president and CEO of Prince's House, president of the U.S. Division of Jaffra Cosmetics, vice president of special markets at Beauty Control, and board positions at several other companies. She's a huge advocate for initiatives in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and has served as an inspiration to many women around the world, mentoring women at all professional levels. She was named one of the top 50 Asian Americans in business by the Asian American Business Development Center and is a five-time recipient of the top 100 women-led businesses in Massachusetts, as well as a four-time honoree as one of the most influential women in direct sales by Direct Selling News. We'll be back in just a few moments with Connie Tang. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a spectacular guest today. It is Connie Tang, the EVP and Chief Global Growth and Customer Experience Officer at New Skin. Connie, what is going on? Oh my gosh, a lot's going on. How are you doing? Everything's great. Everything's great. Crazy busy, but great. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. So what is hot and new over at New Skin, Connie? Oh, what's hot and new at New Skin is a lot of incredible things. So we're actually today just hours from uh, going live on our earnings release for the first quarter. We're also hot and heavy getting ready for our very first global uh, top leader incentive trip in London after a three-year hiatus. Fun. Coming together. Peak time to get back on a plane and, That's and get right. excited. Peak time to get back on a plane to celebrate successes, to talk about the future and to vision as well as plan and align on growth for everyone, personal as well as professional and to reconnect. I think that personal interaction we've all been craving is about to be realized and fulfilled when we all come together. We still only have about half of our group there, but we're looking forward to streaming, as I'm sure you have too, right? Adjusting and adapting to how we hybridize our engagement and our personal touches with our audience and our stakeholders. So really exciting Ooh, stuff coming up. I'm loving the word hybridize. Uh, yeah, just, I, I think I just made that, that up. <laughs> exactly. See, like you're already branding something uh, right here as we go. There's a lot of Connie-isms in my life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about Connie-isms. So Connie, tell me, when you first meet people, how do you introduce who you are and what it is that you do? I think it depends on who it is that I come upon, right? So if yeah. I meet someone in the professional field, I usually explain a little bit about who I am based on my career trajectory, which is running um, bis- global businesses in a consumer goods arena that ranges from beauty and wellness to durable consumable goods, but primarily focused on empowering people to realize their fullest best potential. That's what I do on a global basis. And if I'm talking to someone like a neighbor who I've just met, I'm a little more, I would say, I don't know why, actually, now that I say this, subdued and a little bit more under the radar. Oh, I work with global markets. (laughs) I work with sales teams around the world. In the meantime, it does mean, you know, a $2.7 billion business with 50 plus markets uh, who all report into me. Uh, and I'm not sure. I think that might be that might be an Asian thing. It might be a female thing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But you know, I find I question a lot of how I behave and what I say nowadays as I've gotten older and wiser. I think. Um, so, 
It all depends. It depends on who it is I'm meeting. So, Connie, talk to me a little bit about your career. When you look back over your your career, what have been some of the biggest breakthrough moments for you where you really felt like you, you got to a new level? I've had a couple of defining breakthrough moments. I, I'll start off with, you know, my story begins as an Asian-American immigrant who started on the Lower East Side in the ghetto of Manhattan. And it started off in a neighborhood that was completely non-Asian, uh, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Cuban. That's also where I think I un- unknowingly began to my journey as a global citizen. So I started speaking yeah. Spanish when I was two. Entonces creo wow. que fue una Latina cuando we were chiquitita. And the whole world knew me. I was Connie, the little Chinese girl. We were the, we were the little Chinese Asian family. But I think that's important to note because I think for me, I have found that that early experience is what shaped the decisions that I would make throughout my career. First, my husband and I decided to leave New York, pack up our stuff with no jobs, quit our jobs. Definitely not what you do. And move to <laughs> Dallas, Texas. What? And there, yes, Dallas, Texas in the mid 90s <laughs> with no jobs. We quit our jobs. <laughs> And packed up everything in a little Toyota Celica and drove over. (laughs) Truly wild west. Uh, That was really important. That was a life-changing moment. That was a moment where we gave in to the aspiration of wanting more. Mm. Not really quite yet defining what more meant, but knowing we wanted a better life. That, I think, opened up my mind as well as our, our hearts to the possibilities which is very difficult when you're raised in a very traditional um, environment and security and safety and the reliable paycheck is really what you bank on and what you, what you hope for, honestly, is what we we thought was the aspiration. And the defining moment was taking a job for me with a direct selling company that sold skincare and cosmetics. I had come from having worked for Clinique and Lancome and what ended up being uh, serendipitous was I was once again, the only Asian woman in the company, but I also was the only one who spoke any other language, but English. And wow. I found myself with an opportunity to work with a group of women, Hispanic women in California. <laughs> so, mm. and in the training department, what that, why that was important is because unbeknownst to me, it was the beginning of learning market segmentation, demographic yeah. marketing, uh, and developing programs and adapting what was a national program to grow specific markets and recognize additional incremental v- revenue. That led to a platform to run into the world of internationalization. From mm. there, I opened up over 13 global markets in Latin wow. America and Asia Pacific. Again, wow. serendipitously having the language skills to be able to do that, that was, it helps. It's not a, it's a barrier when you don't learn how to communicate and adapt to different cultures, but it's an enabler when it helps you build relationships mm. and trust and collaborate across global markets for a common goal. And I can tell you that I was the one and only person. So it was a department of me, myself, and I, three people. (laughs) (laughs) And it opened the doors to having to collaborate with cross-functionally. And this is a key milestone, collaborating with people who don't report to you. It's very hard. Yes. Yes. They have a day job. They have a a boss and it's not you. You don't do their reviews. (laughs) But- Learning to work together for a common goal, cross-functionally from manufacturing, Q&A, R&D, creative services, uh, to marketing, to technology, was an incredible experience for me, which later on led to becoming the president of a company in California named Jaffa Cosmetics, and then the president and CEO of my company after that, Princess House, which I ran for eight years out of Massachusetts and now currently in this role. So those were some key major milestones, I would say, and all of them, the consistent thread in all of them was, I would say, a little bit of fearlessness and grit, not knowing what you don't know, but 
knowing that you will do everything you can to learn it, to do it, to try it, to fail at it, and to excel at it. And mm. that takes a that takes some real sustenance, I think, especially yeah. in a world when there aren't many, I would say, off-the-shelf mentors. So for me, mentors have been really interesting. Mentors have come in the form of whether they are books, interviews, real-life people, or yeah. even fictional characters, right? You take your inspiration and your learnings by being observant and listening and asking questions. And I think I've always been really intimidated as a young child of having mentors, but I have found them along the way. And they have come at an early age from teachers. I'm a product of the New York City public school system, and I have a third and fourth grade teacher who to this day, 40 plus years later, is still a very, very good friend of mine. She was the first person who said, you can do anything. That was unusual, not something I heard or was used to hearing that I could do anything. We were often, I think, again, when you come, when your family comes from another country, you choose to come here for a better life and a better life with stability and something that was reliable. And dreaming is not very reliable sometimes. Dreaming and aspiration is something that is unknown and unpredictable. Yeah. So it was learning to balance that. So Connie, talk to me a little bit about packing up everything and just leaving New York because, you know, it strikes me as getting to New York is usually like the final destination for folks, right? Like we finally made it here what was going through your head or what were some of those conversations with your husband that are, you know what, we're, we're going to follow a dream. We're, we're going to, we have an aspiration for something better and we're just, we're going to pack it up and we're, we're going to leave everything with no job. So we came, uh, we went to Dallas to visit my husband's cousin. who was a software engineer at the time and who had been saying, leave New York. Houses are cheaper. There's less traffic. <laughs> you never have to look for parking. I thought, you've got to be kidding. Really? Right. Back then. <laughs> back then. And when we went back to New York for about a week, I think we were very quiet with each other. And yeah. one night, literally sleeping on the floor because we didn't have a bed. We had an apartment in Brooklyn and we slept on the floor, hardwood floor. You know how in the dark and you know you're actually both not asleep? You're both asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He said, what do you think? I said, what do you mean? I knew what he meant. (laughs) He said, what do you think if we moved? I said, I guess we could do it. What's the worst that can happen? We don't like it. We can come back. We can go someplace else. We can do something else. For me, the decision was we had nothing to lose and everything to gain. I had a, I was working for Lancome. So I had a great you know, brand name job. And when my husband was a waiter in a restaurant, in Chinatown. And we knew we wanted more. So we were not necessarily financially independent for sure. We were still struggling. We were newly married. And I think it was the prospect of all the things that we typically at that age and for, for many young immigrants would tag and identify as success factors that motivate us. The possibility of owning your own home, the possibility Mm. of having a upward moving career and job, the possibility of starting fresh and frankly, without some of the baggage that comes right when you make bold moves. And we took a step and we said, yes, I have to tell you, Jason, I had to explain to my parents and my family that what Dallas was. They'd never heard of it. Didn't know where Texas was. Do you know what my description was? My description was, you know, JR, <laughs> JR, everybody knew JR from Dallas, from the show, of the course. soap opera. I said, right? that's where I'm moving to where JR is. That's how I explained to my mother where I was going. Still had no idea what I was talking about. I will tell you something else that was also life defining. What was life-defining was on one side, on one side of the ear, I had my family and my mother saying, take the first thing you can get, the first job, even if it's working at checkout at the supermarket, you need money, you need a paycheck. And then on this side, don't ask me why, my very progressive husband, who, by the way, wasn't even raised in the West, in the the U.S., he was raised in in Asia. That's a whole other story, because I told my mother, (laughs) we'd never marry an Asian man. Never, 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 never. (laughs) 
But he said, we've made this big move and such a big life change. He said, don't take the first thing that comes through the door. And it was interesting because he said, you, we don't, there's no guarantee what job you'll end up taking, but take your time in thinking about what might be the right next move. And so I signed up with a temp agency and I did temp work. I I was a receptionist. I worked for the, I actually ended up working long-term temp at a, the Plano housing authority where I sort of became their office manager, but it afforded me the opportunity to continue to interview. I had to learn to network. I had to learn to find relationships in the business world, joined women's issues group, joined the Dallas business, you know, chamber of commerce and began to hone in on what was my story? Where was my value? And how did I go about making connections that would ultimately lead to my next position, which ironically I found through an ad in the paper. Yes. The newspaper back in the day, back in the day, but the decision was a, a critical one. Yeah. Yeah. So Connie, talk to me about, you said you really learned this whole critical skill of being able to influence across the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. When when you were uh, learning about segmentation and you were really helping drive in the Hispanic Latinx market in, in, in direct sales, what were some of the stumbling blocks there? And, and what is it that you ultimately learned that have helped you be so influential today as a commercial officer? Uh, a key stumbling block was... I think trying to impart my will and my high (laughs) ambition on others. I expected, this is a real learning for me. I expected others to care to as much as I did have the same level of urgency as I did to uh, feel the project or my goals, my business goals were as important as their goals. Yeah. And those were also some hard lessons I learned when they weren't. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was also the lesson I learned about, I probably didn't even know the word was alignment, was aligning mm. with um, my partners and co-creators on it. I was pushing an agenda. I was highly ambitious and high type A, wanting to get things yeah. done my way. So when I was a director of international at beauty control, I had to work with the senior VP of manufacturing, VPs of, of purchasing, um, the R and D group and the creative services group of all different levels and titles, many of which were all above my pay grade, above yeah. my title and hierarchy. And yet I re I needed that collaboration because I can't do it all. It was just one person. Well, three, me, myself, and I. (laughs) And the collaboration was critical because uh, we had to have a mutual understanding and respect for the the corporate goal. So finding common ground was very important. Yeah. Finding common interests and common objectives and common and mutually agreed upon um, common objectives was critical because only then would we own them, each own our part. Yeah. I'll give you an example of how I, two instances where I was probably smacked in the face a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) One was the senior VP of manufacturing, who I thought was a big old gruff bear. And he was not very, not necessarily what we would say refined or polished, but got, you know, knew his stuff, got his work done. And I remember we were, we couldn't get product in for a launch in Hong Kong. And I was on it, pushing it and trying. And I thought by being angry or loud mm-hmm. and upset that that was the way. And, and I've never been the person who yells, but being insistent, my persistence is probably loud, not yeah. my voice necessarily, but my persistence and the push yeah. that you have, the constant, unrelentless pushing. And it got to the point where word got back to me that he was, he had shared with someone else that I was, I'm probably shouldn't even say this on a podcast. I was not being a very good team player. And he used the B word and I thought I was offended. (laughs) And I took a step back and I said, what is it about what I'm doing is making him feel this way. Yeah. And it was, I was not um, trying to be, 
resolve the solution, the problem, which wasn't really a problem that they had. It was a, it was a customs duty issue with many, many things, right? It's never yeah. one, one issue. And I think I realized that I was not um, being a partner in helping him resolve it. I was probably at the time really trying to blame, lay blame mm. and not take ownership and accountability of the situation, even if I wasn't personally accountable for all the factors that led to this challenge that we were facing of launching a new product in a market, I wasn't holding, I wasn't taking accountability of being part of the solution. I was giving it, I was laying it all at his feet. So that was really, it was my offense to the comment that made me stop and really think. Now, at the same time, it can shake your confidence. Yeah, well, it's absolutely. very easy to start to feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. What did I do wrong? I said this wrong. I'm, uh, they don't like me. I mean, let's face it. I, I will admit to it. My daughter will tell you, you're such a people pleaser. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be liked? <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be liked, to be respected, to be well regarded? And when, again, when you're developing in a career as a singular voice, you are very different. I was very different. I came from, I was a Yankee, came from the East Coast. I was Asian, didn't look like anybody else and came from a different, you know, just a different background. Uh, It was you you question a lot of things about yourself. And I'll give you one more story, which you will appreciate. I think (laughs) one more is we were getting ready for a launch event in Las Vegas and I was coordinating. This was launching and previewing a market an international market launch of mexico so we had mexican stakeholders coming in i had the founder of the company my senior vp boss and other members of the executive team and because we were very very slim and trim and we we had a very small group working on preparing and i'm all about the details right oh the presentation yeah. the gifts the this the 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 I was in the back. This is before the event started. And I was a little frustrated and annoyed that some key executives were just sitting around shooting the breeze. And here I am hustling. I'm hustling, collating, putting things together. And my frustration, I think, perhaps turned into a little immaturity. And Mm. I hustled and huffed louder (laughs) around them. So they were sitting yeah. in the bar in the room and I'm just putting things together really fast, going faster around them, hoping that that would be the cue that, uh, they should get up and, a- and ask if they can help me or get up and do something. Yeah. And it didn't happen. But in fact, what happened was after the event, I called it, I, I call it, I was called into the principal's office. I was asked to go into a meeting with my senior VP and uh, the found one half of the founder of the company. And they proceeded to sit me down and tell me how appreciative they were for all the work that I had done and all the contributions I've made. And they'd like to send me to a Dale Carnegie course to help me develop. <laughs> I took that as punishment I took that as, I really took that as, wow, you got in trouble. You literally got in trouble at the principal's office. Yeah. So it really made me think very hard about why. And I also later, it it took a while for me to realize that it was an opportunity to be better. But at the same time, it was probably the best opportunity for me to humble myself and to realize that again, partnership and collaboration is not my will overcoming and overtaking others. It really requires communications, better communication styles. And maybe if I had said something (laughs) versus huffing and puffing around, it would have certainly earned me some more respect. Um, So those were some really key lessons I would say that, Again, you can look at them as an individual, individual traits. Uh, we can say, wow, she's a hard worker. She, yeah. she, she's really on it. She's on top of it. And yet at the same time, in the perspective of others, it, it didn't help me at that time. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was, I think it was sobering for sure. Yeah. And I think we yeah, need right. that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's all about sort of what are we going to lead with? And sometimes when we're leading with something that we're really great at, it almost becomes that Achilles uh, heel for us, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. What could be your strongest strength can be misinterpreted if it isn't delivered in the right way. Yeah, yeah. When the tailwind becomes the headwind. Now, Connie, let's talk a little bit about your executive brand. Give me three words that uh, describe brand Connie. Oh, brand Connie. I would for sure say fearless, gritty, and empowering. Ooh, fearless, gritty, and empowering. So we've talked a lot about fearless and and gritty, but talk to me about empowering. How is it that you show up every day for your team and your your business partners as empowering? What does that look like? For me, it's been a journey. I think early on in my career, I felt very often disempowered where I didn't feel like I had a voice. And I tried very hard with hard work to give me power. Mm. And I tried very hard to influence with results and work mm. product. And, and that came in the shape of how many hours you work, how many things you did, or how much credit or visibility you get. And through this career development, I've been very fortunate that I've primarily now since 1995 been in an industry where my job by and large is, has become helping independent entrepreneurs realize what they can do to be successful, yeah, to learn, to develop skills. And then now today I have the opportunity and my greatest love is to help my team members, those who, and it doesn't matter whether they report to me or not, they work with yeah. me and realize ways and guide them and give them constructive feedback that helps them be stronger, learn, express themselves and advocate for themselves and their own empowerment and personal and professional development. So I show up, I hope for my team in giving them the spotlight, giving them an opportunity to share and honestly holding my tongue to say, oh yeah, that's right. We talked about that because there's still this desire. There is, there's just the kid in me that says, I want to be noticed. And I know I, and I, I want it to be known that I worked hard. Yeah. I don't, I, I've learned that I have to, that doesn't, it, I don't need that anymore. I shouldn't yeah. need it anymore. And I have to remind myself of that. I do. And also being okay with not only sharing, but giving the stage to someone else Mm. and being really happy for them that somewhere, I think my greatest joy is when people have said, have come back and said, I, I was on the brink of giving up until I talked to you. And that sort of in the quiet background, I think has evolved into what's been most important for me. I really do believe that at the end of all of this road, most people won't remember all the things that I did. Who cares that I opened up 15 markets, 20 markets, whatever. I think what will really make a difference is how I helped somebody else achieve their goals or how I helped them uh, in a moment of crisis find faith in their dream, in faith in their career choice, faith in their life choice, or find um, grace when they were maybe at their weakest moment. Yeah. And those are a lot of things that have come out of working with people. I've been in the industry of working with individuals from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds. And I think that is also humbling, really having the opportunity to recognize individuals for their value, not based on what they, uh, what they've had access or not had access to. 
Now, Connie, I, I love how you talked about what you've learned over time to sort of give people that spotlight and 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 step out of the way. When I look at words like fearless and gritty and then empowering, it, it dawns on me that there's there's times right where those collide with one another. So they how do you do. how do you modulate like this innate you were born with this kind of level of grit and fear or, or had it from a really young age with knowing when to turn that down and let the empowering piece come through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Grit means you're going to power through. For me, a lot of decisions that I've made both in career and personal have been just like the packing up and move. That was probably the scariest dang thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's scary. It's really scary when you're make when you're living months and months paying minimums and, you know, just timing the magic of when the mail is going to send the check for it to hit the minimum balance. There's a lot of fear in that. And grit is powering through, even when you don't know what you're doing, you just do. And the empowerment part of it is a little bit more peaceful to the, in a certain extent, in one aspect, it is the quiet and the peace, as I explained earlier of letting others shine and giving away your power. And it's quite interesting when you give away or you share your voice and that spotlight with someone else, it is quite powerful for me as well. And Mm. it's a very different volume. It's a different level of volume. So when I have a, I, I can tell you today, there have been many individuals who I've hired throughout my career in different countries who you hired as an accounting manager, an HR manager, a sales manager. And here we are 20, 30 years later, and you see that they have a high-level Asia-Pacific position in LVMH, or they are now the president of another company in their market. They're, yeah. To me, that's quite empowering. I don't yeah. have to shout out about it. I don't have to talk about, you know, it's the old adage of I knew you when, but it's yeah. more than I knew you when is I knew you when, and you did this, or I offered you an opportunity to do this. I mm. gave you a chance to grow into your shoes. And I actually, you I've used this before. You know, I recently promoted a year ago, a region president for um, one of our, our regions. And my recent assessment of him was he's growing into his shoes. Mm. I gave him a gr- big pair of shoes that I knew he could fill, but he needs time. Yeah, He needs not only time, but he needs me to help. And I want to help him fill into it. And he's got to do the work. But my yeah. part in it is not only encouragement, but um, and training and mentorship, but it is about giving him constructive advice that he can apply. Now, he at the end of the day, he has to choose to do it. Yeah. But that's realizing that someone has the potential to wear, right? You know, you can carry the coat that's a little heavier. You can fit into those shoes and you can certainly even try to shape your own, the own, your, the, uh, the hats that you want to wear, but the empowerment side of it really requires, I think for me, moments where you stop from the running and the pushing and the, the, let's say the, the drive part of it and be very, very clear. That's focus. That's real, real focus on what the objectives are for both you and the people that you you're working with. Yeah. Now, Connie, earlier you talked about being in Dallas and, and, and looking for the right role. You said it took you time to really find your story and find your value. So looking back now, many years later, what would you define as your value and, and how do you describe your story today? I think my value over time is the ability to help to work in cross-functional, cross-global marketplaces with individuals. I do think I have a knack for adapting mm. and adapting myself as yeah. well as helping organizations adapt. It's, yeah. It goes both ways. My adaptability has come from being the only one in many situations. So being the only person who, 
Yeah, the only Asian American in a, in a completely Hispanic neighborhood. Being yeah. the one of two Asian kids in, in in my entire elementary school, being yeah. the only one who got sent to go open a, a an international market from corporate yeah. headquarters. So learning to adapt is really important for me personally, for my personal success. Yeah, helping companies and organizations that I have led adapt, meaning finding where we fit in the competitive landscape of changing um, consumer trends in change rapidly changing technology that's impacting our business, whether we are in a durable goods, stainless steel cookware brand, or we're in the field of beauty and wellness, like today in the case of NewSkin, taking that to the next level and soon launching into integrated connected devices in beauty and wellness. Mm. So finding where we fit in as companies and organizations and as brands, I would say I have developed a niche of helping companies find their place and their place for the future. Now, Connie, you are, you know, at your heart, you're this amazing salesperson, right? And and you you steward great brands on the commercial side and empower people to sell amazing brands. When you think about the brands that you've represented and, and help build, what are some of the things that you do to sell great brands that you think individuals could do for themselves to sell their own professional brand? One of the key elements of a brand's ability to attract, to nurture and retain customers and customer base, which I think applies to an individual. If you're managing your own brand, yeah, that is consistency. Yeah. That's clarity and focus. Mm. And it is a commitment. So number one, be really clear about what your brand is. Who are you? What do you stand for? And it doesn't have to be for everyone and everything. That's another hard part. We want to be for everyone. We want to be for everything. <laughs> it's the same thing as we want to be liked by everyone. Right? Yeah. So the measure of your success should not be, is that does everyone love me? The measure of your success is do the people I align with who share my values, who share the same um, culture or share my same common interests and align with um, some of my, my thoughts and philosophies. Are those the people who are finding relevance with me? That's, I think, an important part, distinction of are you being successful or successfully achieving what you want? Yeah. Clarity is really key. Otherwise, it's just confusing. Nobody knows who you are. And it's hard to align with a concept within an individual with the brand that you're really not clear about. So clarity is in focus is really key. It will also dictate and help guide what you do. Otherwise, you're flailing. You do everything. You try to do everything. And I've met individuals who do that. I have met individuals who want to be everywhere and do everything. And you've ever have you ever heard the phrase of being a jack of all trades and master of none? Yeah, and that's exactly. what happens. And that's what happens. And you don't earn, um, let's call it street cred. You just don't because you, it's very, you, you're, you don't have time or capacity to get beyond the superficial level. So therefore yeah. you're actually un- unexpectedly harming your own integrity and your own value. And yeah. then consistency is important. When I've met individuals, especially in the world of venture and private equity who are great schmoozers, who meet and talk to everyone, have really cool, exciting things to talk about, and then they're horrible at follow-up. They don't follow up. They don't respond. They, uh, you know, just, I would say, again, are flaky. They're just flaky. Yeah. How does that help your brand? How does it help your personal equity and your brand equity? And I think consistency and a commitment are critically important. So understanding the distinction between quantity and quality is important. Mm. And I'm not saying it's one or the other. It's a delicate balance at back and forth. Sometimes you need, you know, there's this notion in sales, bring in the quantity and you will develop for quality. Yes and no (laughs) in the right (laughs) circumstance, in the right situation, right? When you're doing a massive campaign for a new product launch. Yeah. You want to bring in a lot of customers and then you're going to develop those relationships and try to keep as many of them as possible. Try to gain loyalty with them. But when you're talking about business relationships, or perhaps you're looking for an investor or a a partner, 
you probably would be better served with quality of a few that you really dedicate and you commit to versus the quantity from which you really don't gain value either way, you know, either way for them or for you. Yeah. Now, Connie, I just have a couple of quick fun questions for you. We've been talking mm-hmm. all about your brand as an executive and a leader. What are some, uh, what's a brand that you're obsessed with right now as a consumer? Uh, <laughs> a brand <laughs> that I am obsessed with. Okay. I have to tell you right now, uh, I've been obsessed with for a little bit of time and even more so since I just watched the house of Gucci on my latest flight. Gucci. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the history. I'm fascinated by the evolution of the brand in terms of its relevance, in terms of its design concepts, and in terms of how they've been able to carry some of the heritage to non-familial, non-family run and keep, yeah. you know, uh, leadership that has kept some of the heritage moving forward. You know, and it's interesting. I've worked for a couple of legacy brands, 50 plus year old companies. And the hardest challenge is how do you move in the path of progress and attract the future while not alienating what has been built over culture, heritage and time? Now, Connie, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? At the end of the day, I love design. I love uh, having power, but I also love practicality. I'm ever the uh, the person who's conservative in terms of money management. <laughs> so uh-huh. I might be the gal who would be perfectly happy with Alexis. Um, I'm perfectly happy with having a cool looking silver, you know, S class <laughs> Lexus. That's cute. And it's practical, great mileage. It's, you know, not super, super, super premium, but a step up from the first Mitsubishi Treddy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Connie, what's the best, uh, career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Hmm. I, I would say the best career advice I have is to establish your own expectations for yourself and do not measure your success by the expectations of others. Mm. That's easier said than done because most of us set off in life to, and I'm not saying you don't that it's not a good thing. I'm saying that if you define your path that way, it's limiting. Many of us set off in life wanting to make our parents proud. We want to make our kids proud. We want to do right by X, Y, and Z because they believed in us, but you've got to do right by you. And Mm. that's very, very hard. I will say one of the things I've had to unlearn a little bit is to unlearn some of what was instilled in me as a young child of what is expected of good of a good Asian American girl (laughs) Um, and temper that with what I believe was right for me and finding what's right for you that may be in conflict with what, what you were taught or raised to believe is, is very difficult, but I would say establish the expectations for your career based on your own expectations of yourself, Mm. not of those of others. Well, thank you, Connie. Thank you for being fearless, gritty, and empowering us all with your amazing stories and, and your career. It was great connecting. Thank you so much, Jason. It's so much fun talking to you. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you, Connie. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how.
Wow, what an amazing conversation with Connie Tang. Everything that she says is so important in driving your career and helping you build your brand. But you know, a couple of things that really stood out to me was Connie's focus on a clarity of focus and consistency. I love that she talked about not just being a jack of all trades. And that's right, you've got to be able to stand out from the crowd. That's what we talk about, the difference between being a commodity worker that's just known for your job title and being a super premium brand where you stand out with a distinctive position that lets people know when they need to come and leverage you and maybe when you're not the right fit. And that is okay. And I love that Connie talked all about that notion of consistency. You know, at the end of the day, all of those brands we love, we love them because we're consistent. Because when we go into one of those retail locations anywhere in the world, it feels the same. It feels like home. We know what we can expect and we know that they're going to deliver on it. And you've got to do the same. You've got to be consistent. If you're amazing one day and then blah the next, that does not inspire trust in your brand. You've got to be consistent and stay on brand following your brand attributes and your brand position. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved our conversation with Connie, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Check me out on LinkedIn and all social platforms. I'm at Jason Patria and celebrate and amplify the voices of amazing leaders who just happen to be Asian American and Pacific Islanders by checking us out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash AAPI. Now, most importantly, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.